Hello, and welcome to the Kids Ministry Circle podcast. Kids Ministry Circle is a community for kids ministry leaders to be encouraged and equipped to love and serve the local church. My name is Lauren Jackson, and we have a super fun guest with us today, but I'm going to let him introduce himself in just a second. But first, I've got a fun announcement. Now, most of you know that Christmas is right around the corner. And if you didn't know, Kids Ministry Circle put together a Christmas gift guide for your volunteers. So we took three different categories, the student, teen volunteer, customizable gifts, and group events to celebrate your volunteers. And we've given you some great ideas if you are stuck on what to give your gifts, give your volunteers this Christmas season. So you can head over to Kids Ministry Circle com and look up that blog post today. All right, so I am joined with my friend, my new friend, Josh Navy. What's up? And uh, I actually get to serve as one of his volunteers here at Storyline Church in Arvada. Great, great volunteer. Thank you. <laughs> this would be awkward Thank if it you. wasn't. Oh, that would be so sad if you yeah. were like, actually, we need to have a conversation about your volunteer uh, skills. But anyways, so Josh, why don't you... Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about how you got started in the world of kids and family ministry. Yeah, so and my all name is Josh Navy, and uh, my wife and I have four kids who are age 11 to age four. So we are right in the middle of the joy that is kids ministry, both at home and in the workplace, in the church. My kind of ministry life started at a church called The Summit in North Carolina, and uh, right out of college, just started volunteering and I didn't really know that's where I was headed, as is the case with most kids ministry staff people, but grew in my love for the ministry, Uh, got affirmed in it uh, by the men and women that I was serving alongside of, and kind of slowly stepped into this world where I think it's just amazingly important that we pour the gospel into the next generation and partner with parents in how we do that. So the the world, I guess, 13 years later, here we are at, uh, wow. at Storyline here in Colorado. Nice. Not only do I get to see you on Sunday mornings throughout the week, my husband is on staff with you here at Storyline, mm-hmm. but I get to hear your heart for partnering with parents a lot, mm-hmm. and which I love. And I would love to know, as you are newer to Storyline, because how long have you been on staff? Six months. Six this months. Yeah, six oh months. my goodness. So you've been on staff for six months. How do you cast cast vision for parents to be the primary disciplers? And how do you partner with parents when you yeah. are so I mean, it's really important. St- the first foot forward is what people are going to think you're about. Mm-hmm. Kind of your, your first words matter a lot to people. And that would kind of be where I'd start with this answer is that vision is what we value. We can think of it as this huge, big thing that we've got to write something. It's got to sound good. But really for me, vision is just what you value, what's most important to you and what leaks out of you in conversations or from stage or in a small group of of people that are a part of your ministry or a part of the church. Uh, One of the things that I think of when it comes to setting vision in a new place is a, a quote. I don't know who it's attributed to, but you can accomplish less in a year than you think and more in five years than you think. And the way that that plays out for me is not thinking I have to have everyone in the whole church on board with what I am trying to get us to do the first day, the first month, even the first year. Because a lot of ministry builds over time and it's not necessarily you accomplish it all at one time. So 
maybe that first thing is just resetting expectations mm -hmm. personally and saying, I'm not going to be able to capture the whole mountain in day one, but I'm going to begin heading that direction mm -hmm. and know that over time, I'm probably going to be able to accomplish more than I think I'm going to over those first few years. Um, the second thing, just as I was transitioning here, one of the things that really mattered to me was having a great winsome thought that I can bring everybody into and everybody gets excited and rally yeah. around. And it, it, it hit me one day um, as I was leaving where I had been serving for the last 12 years that the people that were coming up to me and telling me thank you and were grateful for the ministry and the small part that I had played in their life and their family's life, not one of them said, Josh, you just set such a good vision for me and my family. Yeah. You know, that wasn't what mattered 12 years later. What mattered was that I loved them mm -hmm. and they knew me and I knew them yeah. and I had walked with them through life and that I had seen their kids grow and I had been investing in their kids. And so I might be the most staunch advocate for strong vision. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, what matters is that we love people. Yeah. And so... I, I got a couple thoughts on how to set vision, but I wanted to start there of that's most important because just we're loving the people that God has in front of us mm -hmm. and has in our church family. But if you were asking me, and you did, how do we set good vision in a new place? Uh, for me, there were three things. One it was meeting face-to-face -face with individual key leaders and parents. Mm -hmm. uh, when I think the word vision, and, and I think we do it all the time, is saying, when I am setting vision, I have to be this visionary, like this big... Right from stage, air right. war type thing. Um, the air war ground war analogy is really helpful for me yeah. of no matter how many bombs that an army drops, you can't conquer a people by just dropping bombs from the air. Mm -hmm. Eventually, you're going to have to send in the soldiers to root out and, and uh, like take over the area. And so air war for me in ministry is stage announcements is going to be like the monthly newsletter that 24 people out of the everybody reads um, and those 24 got through the first sentence you yeah. know they didn't make it to the end so the ground war then is how can i like get inside our ministries and that's people and so meeting face to face taking them out to lunch getting a coffee um, having people over for dinner being over at their house for dinner that's more face to face individual people that i am trying to drip that vision in those conversations and if I can't bring people into my vision in that arena, mm -hmm. then I need to rethink what my vision is. Like yep. if I can't leave a lunch and somebody be like, I really want to follow that direction, yep. then I need to rethink what I'm trying to drip to these leaders and mm -hmm. to these parents. So that'd be my first thing is face to face. And who are those key leaders? I think you ask the people that have been here. Yeah. Like who, who are the people that are influential in our families mm -hmm. that attend like who are the most consistent bought in people and then who are the leaders that are here consistently and have have been serving for a long time and then maybe a few people that are just gotten on board yeah. so you can get a sense of where we are and how it is that I get to take them where we want to be the second thing would be just to be good at listening for new staff people at any church the temptation is to wave a flag of change really quickly and not really understand what we're changing. Yep. And so we have to be good listeners coming in in a new place to understand where we are and then to see what that means for the path forward to where we want to be. And then the last thing um, is the, the, the buzzword would be contextualization. 
but just how do we grow a vision for who we want to be out of who God has already called these people to be? Right. Like this church, this context, who is that? Who is that? Um, what does God want to do with this people in this place? Mm-hmm. And not necessarily, what is my vision? You know, right. those are different starting places of what do I want to do versus what is God doing? And how can I cast a vision that continues propelling them in the way that God has built them. So I think if we feel like we can't get that vision set, then we're going to be set up to fail for everything that comes after. But if we can get that vision, this is a vision built from what God's doing here. Mm -hmm. It's a vision that I'm casting face to face and I'm listening to people as I'm setting it. Then we're setting ourselves up to succeed later. Now you're asking a guy who's six months in, you know, so... You, Maybe we should you, re-record this that's, <laughs> a year in. We should listen to it together a year in yeah. and be like, Josh, what do you think now? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Hey friends, just a quick second to introduce you to some of our new friends, Kaleidoscope. We've all had that dilemma of searching high and low for some of the best discipleship resources for our kids and families. And we know that moment when kids grow up and think they're too big for those storybook Bibles but their reading level hasn't quite caught up to the adult translations. What are we to do with that tricky in-between stage? Well, that's where Kaleidoscope comes in. They help kids and parents bridge the gap between storybook Bibles and adult translations by retelling books of the Bible at an elementary reading level. They're beautifully designed in a single volume chapter book. How cool is that? They have a new book out this month called Promised Hope, the Gospel of Luke, as well as an innovative Advent resource, Connected Christmas. Kaleidoscope could make a great Christmas gift, and it could make a great addition to any parent resource list or resource wall in your environment. They also have volumes on everything from Numbers and Exodus to Matthew and Romans. You can check them out today at readkaleidoscope.com or follow them on Instagram at readkaleidoscope. But wait, there's more. You can take 10% off your order today with the code KIDS. That's K-I-D-S, KIDS, for 10% off your order. Kaleidoscope, the new kid in kids' Bibles. There's so, in, within kids and family ministry, you have so many different people. You have your kids, and then you have your volunteers, and then you have your parents, and it can feel overwhelming trying to hit all of those. But I think those three steps can give people a really great kind of starting point and a roadmap on, oh, okay, if I do one, two, and three, then I'm in a good place to move forward. Yeah. So here at Storyline, there's a lot of parents. And I think even within the last six months that you've been on staff, there's a lot of new parents. I think so. And so, yes, it's really important to, when you're new to a role, when you're leading a ministry, you can't connect with all of your parents. So how do you feel like you multiply yourself so that you are partnering with all of yeah. your parents? Uh, I mean, the reality of ministry is in any part of kids' ministry, you can't do it by yourself. Yeah. You know, like literally... I think we feel that more than any other ministry of the church. Like, I cannot do this on my own. For partnering with parents specifically, one of the things that we can give to a family is relationship. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's one of the greatest gifts underneath the gospel that we can give to a family and to a parent is relationship. Uh, Their kids are going to have relationships, but not necessarily with people who love Jesus. And their church family is the place they can count on. I know men and women that love Jesus are going to be in relationship with my kids. So one of the ways that I think we can do that as kids ministry leaders is by 
championing consistent consistency in the way that our leaders serve. So that when my 11-year-old is showing up to church, that he knows that Dr. Seth is going to be there and that he has a relationship with him. And I, as a parent, value that relationship, that storyline has given to me for my kid, you know? Mm -hmm. And so given parents relationships almost in every classroom where we're saying these people are here for you and they're getting to know your kid and they want to know you as well might be the best way to replicate ourselves and really build more of a church as family mindset. Like these leaders are not just volunteers. They're aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas of God's family. And we want our kids to be around them and to be influenced by them. Yeah. So I, what I'm hearing you say is you as the family ministry director, pastor may not have a touch point with every parent on Sunday morning, but you've given the volunteers the opportunity to be that touch point with those parents. Do you think about drop off and pick like and check in and all of those different connection points throughout a Sunday morning is I may not talk to you on a Sunday, but I will talk to the teachers of my two kids who I see every single Sunday because you've challenged your volunteers to serve. Yeah. And I know that sounds daunting and there's a lot of people that could listen to this and think, oh, that's impossible where I am. But I think we sometimes can underestimate and feel bad asking. Like, you're already doing so much being here once a month. I couldn't ask you to do more. But the blessing that God has for them could be limited because we're not making the ask Mm -hmm. for them to have these relationships. Because not only does that give a relationship to our kids and families, it also gives relationships to that leader and allows them to feel like they're really making a difference and not just filling a hole. And so the way we communicate can be really helpful for that, for our leaders to gain that meaningful, I'm a part of what God's doing here, mm-hmm. not just filling a hole that Josh needs. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So you've been in ministry for many, many years, and you've probably come across this scenario when you really want to partner with parents and you feel like you're moving in the right direction and you just have parents that are not interested in being that primary spiritual voice, right? They want the church to do everything. They drop their kids off on Sunday, don't really want to participate, are not pursuing any sort of discipleship rhythms at home. How do you, one, take that as a leader, but also how do you turn it around and encourage them to become that. Yeah, we kick them out of the church, board. right? That's no. the <laughs> No, obviously we are thinking about this all the time because this yeah. is a this is like a cultural thing, yeah. not not a church thing. Everybody thinks about this with, when parents are not participating in ministry. I think there are two questions here that sometimes we can conflate. We can bring together two things and it produces anxiety in us as kids ministry leaders. Mm -hmm. One of them is parents not participating in our ministry and the other is parents not being the primary disciple maker in their home. Yeah, those two are different. That's right. They they can, I think, even coexist as like one of these is a problem and the other is a problem and I have different solutions to each one of them. So um, the spiral is a real thing in kids ministry that you quickly go right back to the garden and you play the blame game of, well, this isn't working. It's your, and our fingers just point at parents or our fingers point at volunteers. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to ask questions. If we find ourselves in this place, which I have, and we, we think, 
what is going on? Why is no one doing what I want them to do? Mm -hmm. Instead of pointing the finger out, we need to ask ourselves questions first. Mm -hmm. A couple that I would ask is, in your context, are you doing too much? Mm, That's a good question. Are we allowing space for our families to participate in the church and exist in the communities that we're in? I think that's going to be different for every community in what a a typical family rhythm would look like. Um, Are you asking too much of their time for what it is that we think, we think, you know, quotes, we think a church member should be or a a healthy family should be doing? Um, Can a family do the whole picture you're asking them to do? If you just step back, and think in all the things we're asking of our families, could a healthy family do all of them and still be involved in their school or still be involved in any extracurriculars right. or still be able to go to grandma's house on Sunday after? Like, yeah. just how are we setting our families' rhythms up? I think is a good question we all should be asking if we are finding ourselves in a place that no one's doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, another question, if that's, that's kind of tackling that first one of parents not participating. Um, Another question I think is helpful for us to ask is for that second part of parents being the primary disciple maker is what am I doing to equip them to lead at home? Um, Because there are a lot of things that we do as churches that we do because the person before us did it or because the generation before us did Mm -hmm. it. And there's a lot of good in those things. But I think it's also healthy for us to just stop for a second and ask why Is, is that still a good thing for us to be doing? And how we're equipping them to lead at home is going to look significantly different right now than it would have 20 years ago. Right. And 30 years ago, we probably weren't asking that question. Even yeah, five yeah, years right. ago. Even five years, even pre-pandemic, right? right? That question is going to be different. So if we can sit there and look ourselves in the face and say, I've asked, am I doing too much or asking too much? Could a family do the whole thing? And I'm saying, am I equipping them to lead at home? If I feel like I can give good answers to all those questions, that I think you'll find yourself in a place that parents will be joining you mm-hmm. in what you're doing. And if, if you find holes in those answers, I think you'll find some answers to why parents aren't participating in what it is that we're trying to do as a church. Yeah, that's good. I'm going to ask and see if you have any practical examples of that. So yeah. practical examples of what does it look like to do too much? Does that mean too many events to attend? Kind of give me a practical example of walking through those questions. Yeah, uh, a spot of frustration could be, I am asking for just one volunteer right. this Wednesday night. Like, I send this email out to 84 people, yeah. and seriously, not one, am I, am I hitting any nerves here for anybody that's listening? Like, this is the thought. And so, A practical example would be taking a step back and instead of me pointing a finger and saying, wow, none of those 84 are saying yes, is to say, what have I asked of these 84 Mm -hmm. in the last month? And saying, okay, well, there's the Sunday morning rotation, or there's the Sunday night rotation, or there's the Wednesday night rotation. Well, there was that one time I needed childcare for the worship night. Mm -hmm. Well, also I did, you know, and we start building this, okay, maybe I... I might be having unrealistic expectations of what this group should be doing. Mm -hmm. Now, anybody that's listening, I don't ever recommend sending an email to 84 people, right? (laughs) The more personal the ask, the more personal the answer. And so we want to be asking in right ways. But that would be maybe part of that second question is how am I equipping them to say yes to be a part of this? Um, Or am I just kind of this bleeding heart asker all the time? And I don't really believe anybody's going to say yes. 
and that reflects in how I ask mm -hmm. is I'm just throwing out the all call right. versus there being faith that there are going to be people that say yes and what does that look like in how I ask. Maybe that's a phone call instead of an email mm -hmm. or maybe that's a text or maybe that's just a thank you. Like instead of an ask today, I need to just tell them, thank you for all the other ways that you've been serving with us. Um, that might bring some fruit later, but yeah. today you just plant the seed for it. So yeah. that might be kind of a practical example of that. Yeah, no, that's great. So shifting gears a little bit into more of the primary spiritual voice, encouraging parents to lead and disciple their kids at home. What are some practical ways that you can try and pass the baton to what the kids are on Sunday morning to what parents lead at home? Because oftentimes, now I am sometimes a culprit of this, but those take-home sheets end up in the car. Mm -hmm. And I would love to know kind of, those can be a great resource, but is that the end all be all? Do you just hand them a take-home sheet and then say, well, here you go. Um, what, is, what does yeah. that look like for practical ways to say, hey parents, here's where we're at. Well, here's what your kids are learning this month or this week or this quarter. Here's X, Y, Z that you can continue the conversation yeah. at home. I am a huge fan of clarity and simplicity. Mm -hmm. And so there could be silver bullets in different contexts, but I don't think that is a helpful answer just to give is that here's the one thing you got to do it. It connects with every parent, but in your context, I think it's helpful for your parents to know like what's the big deal right what is the thing that we're trying to do mm -hmm. i know you like an example on a recent episode of yours was more like catechism this is what we're trying to push is that yeah. our families would do this it can quickly become this huge hodgepodge of good ideas mm -hmm. in kids ministry and they're all actually good ideas that's the hard part is yeah. like, yeah, I do want a kid to memorize a verse. Yeah, I do want them to learn catechism. Oh, yeah, I do want them to know the whole Bible story that we told today. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I do want them to know how it connected to the gospel. Right. Oh, yeah, I do want, like, seriously, yeah. we could have, like, 10 different things yeah. that all come at a family one Sunday, and that's no one's fault. Like, mm -hmm. everyone had a good idea that contributed to that. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't sing one song to the family on the way home. Yeah. It's like a all the songs playing at the same time. And it just leads to paralysis for parents of, mm -hmm. I'm not gonna do anything because I don't really know yeah. what is the most important yeah. thing. So it could be that your main thing would be a memory verse. I think that's a great one to pick. That's, yeah. that's one we've kind of leaned towards recently here is having a memory verse every month and we talk about it. The, the take home that we send home has the memory verse on it. Um, we'll include the memory verse in our monthly email. We'll have a prize at the end of the month if a kid knows to like can say the memory verse we've been working on that month. That uh, if you send something like a little car home with a kid, yes. you have caught the parents' attention immediately yeah. of, oh, this is a thing. Like they care about that my kid learned a memory verse. Yeah. So I think that could be a great idea. Uh, the like a, a truth for the month or. Uh, we, we call them a foundational truth is how we would do that here. Could be a great idea or maybe it's a, a main point each week and you want that to be the thing. But I think that's the first step of connecting Sunday and home is simplicity yeah. and trying to think what is it that I want to send home and not what all can I send home. Right. Um, so when I go through this little list here, it's not to tell you what's all. It's just to give you an idea of what is maybe one thing I could yeah. pull out that would be my thing. Yeah. Um, here's a couple ideas. One would be kids' sermon notes in the main worship service. 
Like how can we connect Sunday and home is maybe helping families worship together with a little piece of paper that has some stuff about the sermon that they can take home. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe something is the, we use the gospel project and so they have a coloring sheet every week um, we'll, and we'll go in and edit it to put the Bible verse that we're trying to memorize on our coloring sheet. Mm-hmm. And so every week a kid goes home with the coloring sheet that has the Bible verse attached to it. Um, we like to send a text to parents every Sunday. I know that's going to be dependent on context as well, whether that's a good idea or not. But all of our parents get a text while they're on their way home that is discussion questions that they can ask about the, the lesson that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those will just be a couple of the practical ideas of how we're trying to tie these two things together. Because I 100% believe in that orange philosophy of the red and the yellow working yeah. together to make something that amplifies the message in the life of a kid. So any, any way that you can think of that is simple, that brings the message home in a clear way, and that doesn't feel like it's seven different things, but here's one main thing we want to try to get you to talk about at home that we talked about at church. is a great win for parents. Yeah. Those are some really great options. I know that I get the text every Sunday, and I'm lucky enough to know the story because I teach large group on Sundays, so I already know what Ruby is learning in the preschool class. Mm-hmm. But for the parents that may not, like last Sunday, for example, we're in the Old Testament, we learned about Nahum, and we're in the prophet, like all these things that, yeah. to be honest, most parents are like, they I don't know that. quit their story. Bible reading plan by Nahum, you know? Exactly. <laughs> and... and there, we're in the middle of the Old Testament, and what do you, how do you encourage parents to engage their kids when they don't even know that story themselves? The starting point is not always Sunday morning. So especially, um, we are blessed enough to see God moving in our community that we'll have people, well, I had lunch with a, a dad last week that has not really ever been a part of church mm-hmm. before. This is their first experience. My first leadership to him is not hey, make sure you look at the piece of paper we're sending home and do a family devotion based on that text. Yeah. It's going to be, hey, there's a Jesus Storybook Bible that you guys should just read together, like yeah. at night. That is much simpler and in some ways helps disciple the parent along mm-hmm. with the kid. Right. So 100% we want to partner with families tying Sunday to home, but that doesn't have to be our starting point for people that yeah. feel like, I'm not ready to talk about the prophets right. and what, repentance from sin look like when God was like literally striking people dead. That's fine. Here's another tool that might yeah. be helpful for you. Yeah. And that's great. I think that ties back really well into what you talked about at the beginning of got to have that personal relationship with these parents mm-hmm. because you're never going to know what their starting point needs to be if you don't first listen to where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that can be sometimes overwhelming for kids ministry leaders because they have parents who are over here who really could not be believers and are at church for their first time, have never heard about Jesus. And then you have families over here who are asking you for more and are asking for more depth and for more things to do at home. And there can be this tension of, well, what do I do? Where do I put my efforts? And so for those mm-hmm. kids ministry leaders, what would be your encouragement of You've got parents all across the board. You only have so many hours in a week. How do you maximize Such a good question. So many thoughts. One of them is our presence on Sunday morning is so important. Mm -hmm. If we are running around like a chicken with our head cut off all Sunday morning, 
then we're not giving ourselves space to have these types of conversations. Yeah. If we hear, oh, I'd love to talk, but I know you're just so busy. Yeah. If we hear that all the time, then I don't think we're doing our job right. right. Like, we need to be able to be present with a parent on Sunday. And that's going to require this recruiting and uh, the yeah. back work to put us there. But if we're just thinking, how can I get there? It would be, we want to have that first recommendation that you would say to be known across your staff team. It's not super hard. It could be one email to your senior pastor, to your worship leader, and then you're on it too. And that might be your whole staff team. But all three of you know, hey, if I'm interacting with a parent and asking how the discipleship of their kids is going, and they don't really understand what's going on, here's what I would recommend. Mm -hmm. I've got 10 Jesus Storybook Bibles sitting on my shelf. Just grab one and let's hand it to them so that there are multiple of you that are thinking about it. That's maybe one of the most uh, under valued resources of our church is everyone at our church asking, Absolutely. how's the discipleship of your family going? Yeah. So that might be a great conversation to start with is for somebody else on staff, you take them out to lunch first mm-hmm. and say, hey, I'm not going to be able to meet with all these parents. I know you're meeting with our members. Yeah. What if just like one of your questions to parents as you're meeting with them was, hey, so tell me some about the yeah. like spiritual health of your family. How's that going? So that might be one way to multiply yourself because those people are already meeting mm-hmm. and they already want what's spiritually best for your people. Yeah. Their head's just probably not to ask that one question. But we all know that's yeah. a great question for anybody on our staff team to be asking. Um, the I don't remember what the other part of what you were saying was. I was about to start talking about something else, but I don't know. Anyways, that was, yeah. that's a couple ideas. No, I think that's really great to employ other people to help you in the mission of like, cause you could, you could say, Hey elders, as you are caring for people, if a family ministry or a kid's ministry conversation comes up, let me know. I'd be happy to resource you and you can That's pass that thing. along. Can I say that real quick? Yes. I think we are pumped about resources mm-hmm. and that's like at the end of the process. Yeah. P- personally, I'm guilty of this. Like, Oh, that's a great resource. Let me just flood everyone with right. this resource. When really, I think there's a process. It's, we have to know a parent. Then we have to challenge the parent. Then we resource the parent. Because yeah. if they don't know they need the resource, then that email just went yep. straight to the trash because they don't know they need it. Yeah. But if you know them and then know, oh, like you need to be challenged that you need to have a family devotion time. Mm-hmm. Then when you say, I really think it would be good for your family if you spent some time reading the Bible at home. Yeah. Here's a resource right. that would help you do that. Instead of just jumping right to the end of that game, which is, Here's another resource, right. but no challenge and then resource. Yeah, that's great. I love that. So our last question we always ask is, if you were talking to someone brand new to kids ministry, what words of advice or encouragement Your would you role is vital. That's what I would say. I would say you lead the largest volunteer team at your church. I guarantee it. I don't care what church you're at. That's the largest volunteer team. <laughs> You are serving the largest unreached people group at your church, that group of kids that is not yet following Jesus. And you're setting the standard for safety, which might be the most important part of a Sunday morning at any gathering of Jesus followers right now, is are, are the kids safe? Yeah. Not only is your role vital, though, I, your role is biblical. You're not just filling a need while the important stuff happens in another room. You're passing the gospel to the next generation. The Psalm 78 We're not going to withhold the things God has done from the children. You know, we're going to tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord. That's what we get to do every single Sunday. So your role is vital, is biblical, 
And this next one, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. I, I, I would want anyone to hear that. You're yeah. not alone. Uh, if you're new, you might not know it yet, but you can't do it on your own. So the good news is yeah. you're not alone. You have to depend on God in every step of this. Mm -hmm. I mean, the practical, tangible needs are real and they are coming. The, the train, the Sunday train is coming every yeah. week, but God is with you as you're walking through it. Mm -hmm. And like your church family will respond if you set a high bar and you set a vision in front of them about discipleship and about the mission. That's what God's people want to be doing mm -hmm. is sharing the gospel and raising up the next generation to love God and to love his mission. So um, if it's important enough for you to be doing as a job, then it can be important enough for other people to serve alongside you and do. Um, so don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to make an ask. Don't be afraid to go up to somebody and say, I think you'd be really good at this. Yeah. You know? Uh, and don't ever stop asking God mm -hmm. for his help. So uh, this is my, my closing thought. I got a lot to say to somebody that's starting out, great. apparently, <laughs> is you're going to be tempted to feel unimportant, unnecessary, and alone. And you got to remember that your role is vital, your role is biblical, and that you're never alone. Yeah. That's great. What a great word of encouragement for those new, and I feel like that is, that can breathe so much life into someone who's been in ministry for a long time to just have those reminders um, given to them and as a word of encouragement. So thank you so much, Josh, for being on the podcast today. If people want to ask you more questions, to hear more about what you're doing, yeah. where can they reach yeah. you? Um, Twitter's probably the best, honestly. <laughs> Has anybody ever said that in the history no. of the world? Are it's you just, really on Twitter? Yeah, it's just at Josh Navy. And there it is. <laughs> wow. Is that, I, that's I weird? Yeah. No, I just never pegged you as like a Twitter guy. I don't do much on Twitter, but I pay attention to it. Like oh. I'm, I'm on it. Great. Well, yeah. people. I'm like your grandma. Like I just look. I don't. <laughs> hit, up, hit up the Twitter if you want to talk to Josh Navy. Also, I will say uh, we did a space tour of Storyline. So if you want to look and see what Storyline looks like, what the kids hallway looks like and how they've chosen to take those foundational truth those biblical stories and put them up on the wall you can head over to the kids ministry circle youtube page and watch that video um, and that was really fun to do with the kids ministry team at storyline well friends thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed this podcast feel free to send it and share it with a ministry friend and don't forget to like and subscribe you can give us um, a rating and review so that other kids ministry ears can also listen and learn from the wonderful things that our kids ministry leaders are sharing and as always you can find us on instagram and facebook not on twitter <laughs> at kids ministry circle and as always we hope you have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next time